This is the Changemaker Forum Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 14 of the Changemaker Forum Podcast. My name is Jeremy Brown, founder of Startups Get Back and your host for this episode. I have a question for you. Have you ever donated money to a nonprofit and wondered if your dollars were actually making an impact? Well, one company is leveraging technology to show donors exactly how their contributions are making a difference. On today's episode, Greg Glier, founder and CEO of Donor C, joins me. Sit back and enjoy this episode. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, the pleasure is mine. So before we get into what Donor C is, what I'd like to do is take a step back and talk about your background. Uh, so talk to, tell me a little bit about yourself uh, prior to starting the, the company. Definitely. Well, I graduated from college in 2012, and I started working at a corporate job, and I spent a year there, and I performed very well. I was told within six months, I was promoted within six months, and then I was told shortly after that that I would be fast-tracked, I would be given a company car, and a whole bunch of other things, and I was not pleased about that. I thought, you know, if I wake up in 20 years and I'm still in this corporate job, I won't be very happy with how my life turned out. So I started to become depressed and wondering what direction I should take with my life. And then this opportunity to move overseas to Malawi, Africa showed up. Malawi is uh, this country in Southeast Africa, and it's one of the smallest, um, poorest countries in the world. And I didn't know anyone there. And I, I kind of quit my job, got my shots, and, and moved to Malawi, got on a plane within a, about a month time frame. And I spent three years over there living with people in extreme poverty and learning about what it means to do poverty alleviation really well. And that's kind of what led to Donorsy. So that's a pretty remarkable journey for you. And not I feel like not many people would just up and move to Malawi, Africa. And so what about that, that particular opportunity excited you? I, I'm someone who is very future oriented. I think I just spent like a lot of time thinking about the future. I don't think about the past very much. I probably don't think about the present enough. And so I was just, it, for me, it was like this, you know, you have to be pretty desperate to make a, that big of a move. And so for me, I was projecting out what my life would be like if I stayed in, in the corporate environment, which I found suffocating. And that idea was so un tenable to me that I thought I've got to do something like something and I started applying to different places and there were uh, several different opportunities I stumbled across that were not quite a good fit and then when I found this place in Malawi it kind of like it was just the perfect hand and glove opportunity like they were going to pay me for the first year and I was going to have uh, something to do over there that was productive I, I was a teacher that first year and um, because the opportunity fell into my lap and I, I had been looking for something I just and, and, and because I was frankly scared of what would happen if I just stayed put, I, the, the, the real, when you get down to it, I was afraid of the future regret I might have if I stayed put in, in the position I was in. And so that was what, what motivated me to, to get over there. So I have to live vicarious through you. So walk me through that experience. So you get on a plane, you fly over to Africa, you step out. What do you see? Yeah, so my there's what you expect to see, and then there's what you actually see. So uh, me, especially, I'm let's see, I'm 23 when I first go over there. I'm expecting to see 
nothing but grass thatched huts and uh, lions and um, just like you know, you you think of the typical African scene that you see in Hollywood, and, and you think of of that kind of village setting uh, with dust everywhere and all of that stuff. That there's lots of that in Africa, but when you land in an airport in Africa, it's actually there's there's things like shopping malls, there's grocery stores, uh, there's a whole bunch of things that you wouldn't expect. In fact, when I first went over there on the plane, I had assumed that my last that I had taken my last hot shower for a year. And then I get over there and I have hot, I have hot water, I have electricity, I have internet. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a, it was surprising. It was surprisingly nicer than what I was expecting. Um, and then, you know, after some time uh, being, on, I was on like this compound living with the other teachers who I was with. And after some time, I uh, got the guts to go out into some of the villages and I ended up spending a lot of time out there. And and that was what my, my expectations uh, were appropriate with with regards to that. So like I go out to the villages and it really is very impoverished. People are really living much different lives. And um, yeah, so there's almost like two different types of settings in uh, in Africa in general. And what were you teaching at the time? So I went over to teach high school math. I was teaching at an international school. So half of the kids there were, um, were, were like American slash uh, European. And then the other half were upper class Malawian. And so I was teaching pre-calculus, algebra two, things like that. Um, and then, yeah, and then as time went on, I transitioned from being a teacher to uh, getting my hands more involved in uh, extreme poverty alleviation. And thinking back to your first uh, travel to one of the villages, do you remember what you saw and just the feeling once you arrived? Oh, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's almost like I it's almost like a movie that I have playing in my head because I um, I think about it often because it was one of those moments that changes your life. And so I remember I I was in a car. I was in a like a four wheel drive car, a truck, uh, and we drove through. We drove about twenty minutes on a paved road, and then we drove another twenty minutes on a dirt road deep into you know, deep into rural Africa. And I'm, you know, I'm just like this random guy uh, thinking like, what am I getting myself into? And we're going through like the Serengeti trees, the the dusty road, all that stuff is exactly what you would picture in your mind. Um, and then we pull up to this village and we get out of the car and this big chief like character comes up to me and sticks his hand out and starts talking to me in Chichewa, which is the native language there. And that was, um, you know, that was uh, an experience in and of itself, but then I'll never forget what happened next. Um, I was being taken through the village because uh, the, the guy who brought me out to the village, his name was Blessings. And Blessings, I had told him, if you ever need someone, if you ever need help with anything, just let me know. I, I'm, you know, I'm here in Malawi. I want to help. Uh, just let me know if there's ever a situation I can help with. So that's why he brought me out there. So he's taken me through the core of this village and I'm seeing kids playing in the dirt and uh, the grass thatch huts and little, like there's no kitchens in, in these villages. It's just a little campfire on the ground where they cook food over. So there's people cooking food on, on like a little campfire. And I'm going deep into this village and off in the distance, I see this elderly woman and she's kind of just like kneeling on the ground and she looks like, skin and bones like no no muscle no anything she's just like skin and bones super skinny and she looked to be maybe 70 80 years old and she's got a stick next to her and she's off in the distance and i can see her at, and i remember this like it was yesterday she takes her 
staff that's next to her and she uses it to hoist herself up and she starts hobbling towards me and I'm walking towards her with blessings. And as soon as she gets right in front of me, she collapses onto the ground and she sticks her hand out and she says, Muli Buanji, which means, how are you? And it's like a respectful way to greet someone. And uh, I shake her hand and I realize that this old lady had stood up and walked towards me as a sign of respect to me, this person that she had never met before. And then I learned that she was homeless. And then I learned that she hadn't eaten in a week. So uh, that was like this. So th so this was like a whole shocking thing that I was I was experiencing the reality of extreme poverty. Right. I was in this completely foreign land, and that was like. Then it was like, okay, something awoke inside of me and was like, well, I want to do something about this. I want to, uh, like, I, I I don't know a lot about this kind of situ situation. I've never met someone like this before, but I'm in a position where I can help. So let's see what that looks like. So what does that look like? So was that the initial moment in time where donor C was essentially birthed or was there something in between that experience and starting the company that, you know, got you to the point where you're like, okay, I need to start something uh, from a, a business standpoint to help these individuals? Yeah, that's a good question. So donor C wasn't birthed for about three more years after that. And I think it's really important that, that there was that time because there's, and this happens, I see this all the time. I talk to people who are going through this all the time. It's very understandable. You see something like that right in front of you. Like if you hear about people in Africa, just with your ears and, and someone's telling you about it, uh, you're, maybe you're listening to this podcast on the road right now. You know, it's hard to really grasp like the level of poverty and the level of people who live different lives than us. It's really hard to like empathize with with that. They're they're kind of like faceless, nameless, all that kind of stuff. When it's right in front of you, living and breathing right in front of you, you see this person right in front of you. Then then it's like, okay, this is real. Um, so you are like passionate. You want to do something. You're like fired up. I've got to do something about this. This is, this is so unjust. There are people who have so much more and who would will, be willing to help this person. It's just so the world is so broken. Um, and so you have all this passion inside of you. You want to do something right away. The problem that happens with that is there's a lot of, I mean, it's just like complicated to help people in need. It's complicated to help people who are suffering from poverty. I mean, we see that with like the homeless population in the U.S. Like lots of people want to help them. Tons of people want to help them, but it's not always obvious how you can help them effectively in a way that create, creates a long-term impact. Um, and so, yeah, there was there was three years where I kind of learned what it meant to help people in an effective way and in, in, and in a respectful way where they get to keep their dignity. And I'm not coming in as some kind of white savior, as some people might uh, be worried about. Um, and so, that was a whole process that took place. And um, yeah, that's a, a long thing. But but the way that you, to answer your, your question about how do you do it, uh, really what happens is you have to delineate between when it's appropriate to help someone in like an emergency situation. Like if someone hasn't eaten in a week and you want to give them food, that's like an emergency. It's like if they don't get food, something bad is going to happen. And so like you need to help them get food. But then you can't just keep giving people food over and over and over again, because that creates really unhealthy dynamics. Um, so you have to create long-term solutions. And that's the stuff that's really tricky. And you have to try a bunch of different stuff and see what works. Um, and there's a lot of different ways that you can help in create a long-term and lasting impact. Um, and that's something that donors see we, we proudly do with our organization. Uh, but yeah, it takes some time to learn that. And it takes a lot of failure in trying and realizing that sometimes things don't always go as you want them to go. So that's a great segue into Donor C as a company. So for those who don't know, can you explain what Donor C is? 
Yes, I'm happy to explain. I love talking about my organization. Uh, we're a, uh, an organization that lets donors see where their money goes when they donate. So let's say there's a girl in rural India, and you you see her. You go to donorsee.com. You see this girl in rural India and named Mary, and she's deaf. And you want to help her. So you, what you can do is you can uh, go onto our website, make a credit card donation to Mary. She'll get the money uh, very quickly within a day or so. And a few days later, you'll get a video of Mary hearing for the first time with her brand new hearing aids. Um, and we do this with all sorts of stuff. It's not just hearing aids, but we do this with houses and with uh, livestock. You can get someone a pig and you can see the pig that they got and all this kind of stuff. And so we do this in 50 different countries. And uh, it's if you are looking for a way to get involved in uh, giving to people who are less fortunate than yourselves and you want to make a huge impact in someone's life and you want to see the impact, DonorC is the place for you. So when I came across DonorC, I believe you were having a crowdfunding campaign on WeFunder. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. That's correct. That's probably how you found us. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, when I came across the company, my eyeballs got big <laughs> because mm-hmm. number one, I love the fact that uh, you know there's platforms out there that allow normal average Joes and Janes out there to uh, help out people in need. But the bigger piece to this is the video aspect of it, right? Seeing how your dollars are actually making impact. And when I came across Donor C, my mind immediately went to Charity, uh, Charity Water. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, the CEO of Charity Water in the early days of the company, uh, he realized that in order to get people more involved um, in you know the creation of wells and, and donating money to build those wells, he needed to showcase how their dollars were making an impact. So he used, uh, I think it was Google Maps, and he would geotag all the locations where the wells were being built. So uh, as a donor, you can go in and click one of the little the blips on the map, and it'll pop open um, some photos of the well being built, and you can actually see how your, your dollars are making impact. So that's a powerful thing. And that's the, the biggest thing that I get excited about when I, when I, when I saw donor C, when I talked to you, Gret, is the fact that you're using video so effectively. Now, was that uh, on purpose or was that something you stumbled into the video aspect of things? Yeah. So that, that's a great question. And in some ways I stumbled into it. Um, the process was basically this when I, okay. When I, that lady who I told you about earlier, the lady who was on the ground and shook my hand and all that stuff, uh, her name was Rosina and I wanted to help her. I wanted to tell my friends about her. And so I would like create videos and I would, um, write blog posts and I would explain like what I'm seeing in Malawi. And I would send that back to my friends in America. And, you know, it, it didn't land. It was like, it was kind of like it goes over your head and 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 that's a very natural thing you're just kind of observing something as a as a distant observer through your screen and it's natural not to really empathize like you would in real life um and so that was frustrating for me like i i'm really passionate about educating people about uh about extreme poverty and i wanted to bring people into that and um and like scott harrison the ceo of charity water he's a huge inspiration to me and i've been to his apartment in New York City, and I've visited the Charity Water offices many times. I really admire what they're doing, and, and they're a big inspiration for for Donorsee. Um, but I wanted to create a, a a way for people to care, basically, about what's going on in the rest of the world. And so, what I found was, it's video is not video alone is not enough, and blog posts and text and all that stuff that's not enough. Um, seeing another person, not even that is enough. What really has to happen for you to see 
and understand the level of poverty in the rest of the world is you have to be brought into the process. So you have to see someone, you have to use your hard-earned cash to help them, and then you have to see the impact. And that's when people got super excited. Um, and so by doing, so that was a process that took, that was part of the three year process I told you about where it was like, I was trying videos, I was trying blog posts, I was trying all sorts of different stuff. I was trying to talk about statistics, you know, and which is very boring for most people, including myself. Uh, but then I realized when you bring people into the process, when they get to use their money that they earned, like they worked a job and they're giving away money that they don't have to give away and they're helping someone else. And then they're seeing that help that is that creates a light bulb moment unlike anything else. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was the process that brought us to what DonorC is today. How large is the company from a, a staff standpoint? Well, we're we are all remote, uh, and so we try and keep a pretty lean operation. But um, we we fluctuate from anywhere from like five to eight, depending on um, what our needs are. So sometimes, like for example, we don't keep a full time um, like Android developer on, but we bring them on pretty regularly for part time work, stuff like that. And for the technical talent, so you mentioned Android, where do you find the talent? That's a great question. Um, we The stuff that's on the back end, like the really important stuff, we have contacts in North Carolina who do a really fantastic job. And uh, and they build all of the like super important stuff. For some of the front end stuff, like the Android app or uh, some of the website stuff that's just on the front end and doesn't touch any of the back end information, we use overseas developers. And that helps us. Uh, a lot of times they're from Eastern Europe, uh, English speakers and uh, very good at what they're doing. They're very passionate about uh, helping people as well, but they live in different parts of the world and we're able to partner with them to do that stuff. And we find them on Upwork a lot of times, uh, other places like that. Yeah, Upwork is a good a good source for that for sure. Mm -hmm. And how long has a company been around? Uh, we just passed our two-year mark. Um, so we're a little, over, a little over two years at the moment. Awesome. Congratulations on that. Thank you. So in that two-year time frame, what are some lessons that you've learned about uh, one building an organization and then two uh, scaling it? Yeah, that's a, that's like, so, there's so much I could say with that um, I, for your audience. I'll try and come up with like some of the more high impact things I learned, but uh, running an organization, especially one like the C, which has so many different moving parts um, it creates, it's, it's a lot of work and, and there's a lot of opportunities for uh, improvement. And so we've learned over time, all sorts of stuff. I think one of the biggest, um, if I look back over the last two years, one of the biggest things I've learned is just to be as service oriented to your users as possible. Like I, like I, when I first started the company, there was, you know, we had, we had a really nice uh, launch and people really loved the idea right away. And you know, at the beginning, we didn't even have video on the site. We just were using pictures. Um, and so we've kind of developed in, in that way too. But um, yeah, when, when we were, when we were starting, we had a nice launch. People loved the idea and we had lots of users, lots of incoming emails and stuff like that. And uh, as the CEO, I was like, I had, it was for the first time I was getting all of that, all that attention and I, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to help everyone, but I, I told myself, you know, I'm going to focus on helping the people who are, you know, most likely to make the biggest donation or most likely to help spread the word the most. And um, I learned over time that that's not really like a great way to run a, run a company. Like you, I would answer every email, but I would kind of like pick and choose who I, um, who I would give the most attention to. And now it's like, now it's like, I'm just thankful for everyone who's involved. I love like if someone is only able to give $5 once a year, but they just like love our platform and, and, and they have a question about a really minuscule thing. 
I want if if it's not me, it's my team. But I want I want that person to be helped just as much as the person who's donating hundreds of dollars a day. You know, so I it's um I I think I I just kind of learned like to appreciate everyone, to respect everyone, and to to just kind of serve everyone as much as possible. And that um and you know there's there's all sorts of practical things within that 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 go into scaling an organization like Donor C. But that I think I just I really am proud of how our organization really serves to, to or really works hard to serve like anyone, anyone who has a question or anything like that. We just really want to, uh, to do our best to serve them and put them above ourselves. Well, I can definitely say from experience that being service oriented uh, definitely goes a lot longer um, than not being service oriented. So you're definitely on the right path. Thank you. Yeah. I, I, I really believe that. And I, I found that to be true over the last year or so. So one question I like to ask the social entrepreneurs that I talk to um, is this one, you know, based on your experience um, in Africa and in building Donor C, what is one problem in the world that you believe is worth solving and why? Well, that's a great question. I, I wonder, you know, I'm thinking extreme poverty is the thing I care about. It's the thing I'm devoting my life to. And even if, you know, even if uh, Donor C explodes and I and, and I take a step away from it and it's running on its own, I'll still be someone who cares a lot about extreme poverty and, and spends my life trying to solve it. Um, but at the same time, I'm not necessarily sure I believe it's solvable. I, uh, so I, I think that to, to an extent, there's always going to be people who are poor. There's always going to be uh, these kinds of situations. Um, but what I, I think the, the thing that is solvable is uh, the, abil the ability to connect people who are in need with, the, the, with uh, people who are able to help them. And I believe that that's solvable. I, I don't think that we have to live in a world. Uh, I mean, I'll give you an example. There, there was a, a, I used to go into a village every uh, Friday when I was in Malawi and I would play soccer with the, with the villagers. It was a really fun thing that I would do. Um, but there was this little girl who cheered on the sidelines. Her name was Emily, and uh, she's just like the cutest little girl, maybe five, seven years old. And she's she's just always like cheering her heart out, big smile. Um, and this girl Emily was a was an orphan, and her the, I mean the sad thing is her mom passed away because she couldn't afford a twenty dollar trip to the hospital. And I, I think that's a solvable problem. I, I don't think that we have to live in a world where someone. Uh, dies because they they can't get access to twenty dollars. Um, so and right now we live in that world. We live in a world where, where there's people who will probably die today because of because of a limitation of getting access to, to funds that small. But I don't. I think that's a a problem that's definitely solvable within my lifetime. Getting back to donor C. So how does the process work? Can you walk me through uh, what the experience is for a user? Definitely. Um, so for so we have partners all over the world. They're on the ground aid workers who are taking these videos. Um, they're usually part of a grassroots 501c3 organization, and uh, they, they've been doing work in that specific country or region for sometimes 10 or 20 years. So these are people who are very experienced, and they've got their they've got their iPhone out in the village taking video, a lot of times with themselves in it. And so a user comes on the donorc.com or they download the donorc app, and they can. The first thing is they can learn about us. They can watch some of our example videos and so forth, some of the before and after transformations that have happened. Um, but then as as they're ready to make their first donation, um, there's a feed of projects, and there's projects from all over the world, and you can kind of pick the project that speaks to you. So if you're a parent 
and you want to educate your kids about uh, what's going on in the rest of the world and train them to be generous people, um, you can you can sit down with your kid and you can say, what do you think about this project? Which of these projects speaks to you? Um, and, and you can kind of figure out, okay, well, this project is about a kid who's also nine years old and also a boy and also in the same grade as you. How would you like to, if we help this, this, this kid out? Um, and after you've decided that you want to help out that specific person, you... Um, you can watch a video about them. You can read some text about them. You can read reviews and uh, user questions. And we have a whole, we have a really robust accountability system. Um, and then you can make your first donation. Um, and we, if you have a credit card tied to your desktop or if you want to use Apple, it doesn't matter. We have, we have the, the works on our platform and you can just easily make your first donation. Um, and then uh, from there, uh, it'll usually take a few days, maybe a week. And you'll get to see what, how your donation made an impact. So if you're trying to help someone build a house, you'll get to see the house get built. You'll get to see the, the posts go up and, and the bricks get laid and the roof go on top. Uh, and you'll get video evidence of all of this stuff happening. And you'll get to see lives change and people's uh, well-being just skyrocket because of your decision to go to DonorC.com, take a, take a brief moment and uh, donate some of your hard-earned money to people in need. Now I imagine that it is this is going to be a difficult question because there's so many amazing stories on the donor seed platform but is there a particular story or maybe a couple stories that stand out in your mind? Yeah, there's so many and I think any time that we save someone's life I just think I'm just like so grateful. I'm just like okay, well you know, that's when you really feel like what you're doing matters. When, 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 because donor C exists, this person, this person is alive. That's the kind of thing. So I'll give you an example. This is one of the first, this is probably one of the first times that ever happened. So this was two years ago, but we have this stuff happen every day. But one of the, one of the um, examples is there was this girl in, uh, with one of our partners in Malawi. So there's this girl, uh, really young, probably nine years old. And in Malawi, you have, you don't have running water. You have to go fetch water from a well. So this girl took her bucket. You know how they, you see them carrying buckets on their head. So she goes across a river and gets uh, well water and then is bringing the well water back for her family. And as she's crossing the river to go back to her family with the bucket on her head, a crocodile comes up and bites her in the torso. And that is, you know, that's not good news, especially for someone that small crocodiles, uh, I, apart from hippos, I think crocodiles kill more people in Africa than any other creature and so this girl gets bit by a crocodile but there's two men on the shore who are farming they run into the water uh they wrestle the crocodile away they bring her on the shore and um a nearby aid worker her name is nicole she had a uh she had her donor C, she had her donor C app with her which is the, the the partner app that we have and she was able to post that project to donor C, raise the money to take her to the hospital within minutes and then get her to the hospital, take video evidence that she's at the hospital being bandaged up uh, and have all of her hospital bills paid for by our donors on our platform. Um, so that's the type of thing where it's like donorcy was there and most nonprofits are not because of all of these, uh, because of all the legal and accounting overhead, most of them are not in a position to do to work that fast, but because uh, of our infrastructure and because of the way that we're able to operate super quick and efficiently, uh, we were able to help this girl. And her name was Apulole, and she's alive today. She's still uh, she's still in her village doing her thing. So yeah, that's I mean that's the type of story that we really like to brag about. Yeah, that's amazing. So how do you scale an organization like this? So you, you said you have aid workers and, and, and you know, basically boots on the ground that are, that are taking these videos and whatnot. 
So how do you scale that element across the world? Right. So it's sim- it's very it's very similar to what a two sided marketplace would do. Um, so if you go to our platform, one of the th- there's there's so many different things I could talk about, but one of the things is um, like most people who are listening to this have probably given a donation at some point in their lives. And maybe they saw where the money went, maybe they didn't. Um, but at the end of the day, they don't really have a say in uh, whether or not they thought that that donation was done well or done appropriately or, or, or whatever. Um, on DonorSea, after you give, you have the ability to leave a up to five-star review for the person who's, who's handling the project. So if you have some feedback directly for that person or for our platform, you can post it and you can say, you know, this person did... Uh, did a pretty good job, but it, it could be improved in this way. So they get four stars, and here's my feedback. We get almost all five stars, by the way. But you know, every once in a while, someone has some feedback. Um, but that's the type of thing where uh, where that kind of transparency and feedback and real time understanding what people are thinking and 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 what they care about and how we can improve. Um, that's been one of the most valuable tools that we've had to scale our organization. So we're able to say this type of person in this region of the world is getting lots of five-star reviews. They, their projects get funded super fast. We need to find more people like that. And that kind of guides our process. Um, but yeah, like listening to users and listening to our donors and listening to all of these different uh, people who are using our platform, that's been, that's been crucial. And if you wanted to host projects on DonorC, do you need to be with a maybe a partner organization, or can you just be a, a, a just a regular individual that reaches out to you and says, "I want to post projects"? Yeah, so there's an application process, and you have to uh, you have to go through the application process. We turned you you can be just like an individual who's like an aid worker working um, independently. Most of the time, the people who uh, we work with are part of a grassroots organization. Sometimes we work with really big organizations, like Cure International is one of the big organizations that we work with. They're in 17 different countries. They do orthopedic surgery. Uh, they have many millions of dollars in revenue every year, but they partner with donors here because they need help uh, funding their prosthetics. And so we help them with that. Anyways, um, when people, so when someone's interested in, in, in uh, fundraising through our platform, they have to go through an application process and it usually takes months and we turn down more than 90% of the people who apply. I mean, we're just very strict about what we're looking for. Like I said, it's, it's not just a matter of, can you take a video? It's like, are you going to make a long-term impact? Is what you're doing sustainable? Is what you're doing uh, beneficial? How much experience do you have? There's so many different things that we look for. Um, transparency. There's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different stuff. Are you willing to talk about your mistakes? You know, there's, I could, I could go on and on for what we look for in our partners, but um, it's pretty high standards. But the, yeah, the, the first step would be um, applying, and you can apply at apply.donorc.com. Okay. And you mentioned that you, uh, you have an app. So is that both Android and iOS? Yep, we have uh, an app, and most a lot, I, I would say that we have about uh, half of our users use the app and half use the website. Okay, got it. All right. What advice would you have for an aspiring entrepreneur, somebody who, uh, you know, or aspiring a social entrepreneur, somebody who has an idea that can make a significant impact, but it's kind of teetering on, do I do this? Do I not do this? How do I do it? What advice would you give someone like that? I would say, because I talk to people all the time, as I'm sure you do too, who are aspiring. And I think that what the one of the questions that's not asked enough and needs to be asked more is like, how is this going to provide value for specific people? And if it's going to provide value, um, like you better like verify that by talking to people who you, like, let's say you want to build, you, you want to do something that's going to 
for for college students and you want to provide value for them by helping them find a cheaper college or something like that you better talk to college students and say this is the solution i want to make and do you think that this will help you like will you use this would you spend money on this would your parents spend money on this um and i think uh aspiring entrepreneurs are you know it's 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 scary to hear that your idea might not be liked by someone so it, you you prefer not to talk to people about it. you prefer not to get feedback but that's what you have to do you have to think am i providing value for people and then you have to test that hypothesis and you go talk to people and you say hey i've got this thing i'm, I'm thinking about making it what's your feedback on it and there's ways of asking those questions where you can tell if they would actually um actually use it or not so yeah i would just say that i mean that's my general general advice Market research, so absolutely, important. yes, so, so important. Uh, yeah, and you touched on something that's that's crucial. You know, getting out and actually talking to your target, um, and then you know, asking them questions that are that are that'll give you the information that you need without you know being yes or no questions essentially. Yeah, the the real trick that you want to do is you want to figure out how are they behaving right now, not how they say that they'll behave. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you ask someone like like. If you ask someone, do you think that you would work out if you had this device? Like, do you think you would work out five times a week? People are, they're very prideful. You know, everyone is like that. And they're going to say, yeah, I would definitely work out five times a week. But if you ask someone, how much are you working out? Like, how much did you work out in the last month? And they say, well, I didn't work out in the last month. And, you know, I, you know, I've got, you know, I, I didn't exactly eat very well. That's like, okay, well, that's actually past behavior is going to indicate future behavior. So mm -hmm. You want to kind of ask questions in a way that where you can draw, where you can draw parallels from how they've behaved in the past. Right. And for donor C, you know, where do you go from here? Is there anything that's coming out in the pipeline that you're particularly excited about? Now you can talk about publicly. Really, we've spent the last two years iterating like crazy. That's another thing I probably didn't talk about, but we got feedback. We optimize it. Like I said, we start off with just pictures. Now we're almost exclusively video. If you want to post a project, you post video. If you want to post a follow-up, you post video. Um, there's still occasions where it's appropriate to use pictures. Like, uh, for example, like if you're helping a baby and you want to see the, you're providing a baby with formula milk and you want to see the baby's progress over time, pictures are really great for that. Um, but yeah, we're all, so anyways, we've been iterating and iterating and iterating. Right now, we have, and I'm, I am, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we have a product that we are proud of. Like I want as many, I want a million people to go to Donor Seed tonight and, and check it out because I just think that it's like, it's ready for that kind of um, thing. The product is ready. It's a, it's a good platform. We have lots of, uh, we have lots of projects and lots of availability and lots of different opportunities for different people, lots of video, lots of great five-star reviews, all that stuff. Um, and so right now what we're trying to do is we're just, we're marketing. We're finding out different ways to onboard new donors. Uh, we're finding out different ways that we can have our donors refer them refer to other donors, uh, refer their themselves to their refer donors to their friends. Um, like for example, we're doing a uh, whenever you give, you can only do this once a week. But if you give a hundred dollars on the project on Donor C, you can give a you can send a free five dollar gift card to a friend. And so we're seeing that happen. People are, are donating $100 to a project. Then they get their free gift card and they send it to a friend. And then their friend kind of does the same thing. They donate to a few projects. And then when they've given 100 bucks, they give another $5 gift card. Um, so it's really just a matter of getting as much people to hear about what we're doing as possible. Amazing. And so earlier on in the, the podcast, I mentioned uh, your WeFunder campaign. And I am a big believer in equity crowdfunding. Uh, I think it's an amazing um, channel, uh, both for 
uh, you know, new startups as well as individuals who want to invest but maybe aren't accredited. Uh, so can you walk me through that that process of getting on WeFunder and your experience with the platform? Well, I had a great experience with the platform. Um, I had a great, I think that I, I agree with you that equity crowdfunding uh, at, the, at this smaller smaller level and making it available to more people, it's it's a total game changer. And I'm really thrilled. I mean, I know that the, the guys who started WeFunder, they went through a lot to get that thing off the ground in terms of uh, overcoming government regulations and so forth. So yeah, it's it's I'm thrilled that that we were able to partner with them. For us, uh, you know, DonorSea had been around for a year and a half. Um, we have uh, there's a lot of people I talk to who are in in that space. And and one day someone said, Hey, Greg, I really think that your organization would be a good fit for uh, WeFunder. I I know a guy at WeFunder. Would you like to chat with them? And um, so I I I got so I talked to this guy. Um, who was working? Who's working at WeFunder? Uh, Johnny Price, um, really great guy. He had experience working at Kiva, so that was cool to talk to him about that. And um, he kind of walked me through what it would look like. Um, and there's a, a small amount of a startup cost in terms of uh, you have to get all of your accounting information in, in a certain way that that they need for their for the equity crowdfunding um, regulations. But yeah, I mean, it was it was it was pretty simple. They took care of most of it. There was a a, a bit of work up front and then and then when we launched it we had a lot of success uh, my friend who um who thought that it would be a good fit for us was like absolutely right i mean our our users were thrilled to invest in our organization um and uh yeah we, we had i mean I, I think we raised a hundred thousand dollars in the first two weeks so we were that's not uh, that's not like a you know just because you have, just because you have a, a equity crowdfunding campaign that doesn't mean it's going to happen with your startup but uh, for us it was definitely like the right the right fit. And speaking of dollars and cents, uh, one thing I came across uh, when I was preparing for this podcast was that you are taking zero salary as a CEO of this company, mm-hmm. but you have or you're using a uh, kind of up and coming uh, platform uh, called Patreon. Can you yes. talk a little bit about that and, and why you chose to go that route? Yeah, I, I'm happy to talk about that. I think one of the things that uh, there's, as as the guy who is talking to, like, even though I'm the CEO, even though I'm running a, several different um, departments and so forth, I still talk to several donors every week, like new donors. I, I, I do these 20 minute phone calls where I, I just ask them how it's going and so forth. Um, and one of the things that I, I think was coming up, it, it used to come up a lot more. It doesn't come up now because of some of the changes we made. Um, but one of the things that came up was like, I trust Donorsy. I, I trust Donorsy with my life. I give all my money on Donorsy. But when I tell my friends about it, then they have these hesitations for various reasons. Um, and so I think one of the hesitations that people have is in the past that they've been burned by uh, C- CEOs who take a really big cut of each donation. And you know, there's, I mean, I understand why sometimes that has to happen. Sometimes you want talented people and so forth. Um, but that's always kind of a, a, a something that bothers people. And I was hearing it enough that I, I decided to make it, I wasn't taking a salary at the time, but I decided to make it public and let people know, listen, I, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, raise my, for my salary on Patreon. If I make any money, it will be because people voluntarily gave me money on a separate platform that's not tax deductible. And I just get to use that money uh, for my living expenses and so forth. And so that I decided if people have any kind of question about the uh, intentions behind starting DonorC or starting a, a, a platform like this, um, they're going to want to know who's the founder and how is he benefiting? And they can see that I get nothing from the platform and I anything I do get is voluntarily given 
by people who believe in the mission and want to support me on a, on a totally separate platform. So um, it's not like I make a lot. It's, I'm still, you know, I'm still growing the Patreon base. So I'm very much doing this because at the time I, I spent overseas in Malawi, living with these people and uh, desiring to do something about what I saw over there. Amazing. That's a very unique way of, of you know, getting a salary. I haven't particularly seen any other CEO do that. So hats off to you on that. Well, thanks. Yeah, I have a lot of friends who are who are YouTubers, uh, influencers, podcasters, that kind of thing. And um, a lot of them uh, make a good living off of Patreon. And um, they were they suggested it to me um, and they suggested I just start it, you know, and, and I did. And again, that was another it was another thing where it was a good fit for what we're doing. Perfect. All right, Grant, last question for you. Where can people learn more about Donor C as well as yourself? Uh, everyone should go to donorc.com and just make an account. Uh, you can just there's a little sign up button in the top right hand corner, and then you'll get our emails and you'll be in touch with what we're doing. I write, I personally write a weekly newsletter on every Sunday that I send out myself um, to our to our donors. And so if you want to kind of keep up with us, that's a great way to do it. That's probably the best way. Um, I'm on Twitter and donorc is on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. So it's at Greg Liar and at donorc respectively for all of all of those different things and we're pretty active on social media um and if you check out donors you'll probably start seeing our ads and so forth but yeah i just encourage people to get involved any way that they see uh fit and also patreon.com slash gret glyer yep that's right <laughs> all right gret thank you so much for joining me had a blast talking to you and i am really excited about donor c and what the future holds for the company yeah, thanks so much for having me, Jeremy. I, re I appreciate you uh, reaching out and your thoughtful questions. This was really great. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Changemaker Forum podcast. If you found this episode insightful and want more just like it, all you have to do is subscribe. You can find the Changemaker Forum podcast on all major podcasting platforms, or you can subscribe by going to podcast.changemakerforum.com. With that being said, I'll see you on the next episode.